are listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, uh, y'all had a great week last week. I'm happy about that, kind of. I was kind of hoping there was a disaster so I would know you missed me and loved me. But there wasn't any disasters, and I'm a little mad about it. And um, I just feel like I'm replaceable now, which is not, hmm. So then Bishop had to get here with a trombone, make me look bad, throwing shade at me, dunking on me. What's he have to dunk on me for? back y'all well look where he brought me from look where he brought me from he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light look where he brought me from are going to have to pay me more because my agent you know greetings to everyone those of you joining us online we're super happy to have you with us we're honored to host you for a little while i'll try to do a really good job and preach good and we'll have a good service here uh, for a little while thankful to be able to bring the word of the lord to you it's an honor always an honor we are on lesson three sermon three sermonette three of our series uh, how is that working out for you the idea of the series is having tried things our way and learned that our way is not the best way maybe it's time for us to try doing things god's way and can the church say amen all right, I got a ton of scripture. You know, I'm doing that on this series, uh, giving you a lot and a lot and a lot of scripture. Uh, the notes are available on the website if I move too briskly for you. Uh, in that case, well, you just needed the exercise anyway. So, how is that working out for you? Uh, number three, we struggle as created beings to understand uh, our Creator. Uh, his ways, the Bible teaches us, are what? Above our ways. Say it with me. His ways are above our ways. Uh, the Bible takes it a step further and says that uh, his thoughts are above our thoughts. And yet, we are, all of us, challenged to seek after the Lord. We are challenged to have a personal relationship, as personal as we can make it, as personal as our spiritual hunger will allow us. Uh, this mic, uh, if it goes out one more time, just so you know, we're all going to rebuke it in Jesus' name, and I'm just going to switch mics, okay? I'm not, uh, I'm not in the mood. Uh, I've already been put in the shade by the trombone, okay? So we're just going to switch if that happens. So we hunger and long and desire to know him, but let's be honest, his ways are above our ways. And, Uh, His thoughts are above our thoughts. The result of this is not that we quit trying to understand, uh, but that we just satisfy ourselves with our own opinions. The result of his ways being above our ways is not that we quit trying to understand, 
but rather that we begin to lean on our own philosophies, we fall in love with our own opinions, and we start telling God what he's supposed to be like instead of him telling us what we're supposed to be like. Um, This is a quite common path if you look at the history in the word of the Lord of people seeking to know God. Uh, they, they soon are using God rather than God using them, and they're soon living as though God serves them rather than they serve God. Uh, it's all rooted in this problem of it's, it's not easy to know, to know his nature. It's not easy to know his thoughts. Uh, it's not easy to know his heart. And when you see people, all through the word of the Lord, who miss the timing of God, they miss the judgment of God, uh, whether they are scribes, whether they are high priests, priests, whether they are a Levitical uh, priesthood, whether they are uh, Pharisees, whether they are Essenes, whether they're Sadducees. When they miss God, it's not because they don't have the law of God. It's, it's not that they don't know the law of God. It's that they don't know the heart of God. Do you see the difference there? Um, it's possible for us to say the quotes of somebody uh, and not really know what they were trying to, to accomplish. Um, I see that when I go to the scripture and I, to be completely honest with you, I see it more often than I don't, uh, where people, they, they end up uh, pressing their view upon God to such an extent that they in some men are risk really uh, having a form of godliness, but not having a relationship, uh, not knowing the heart of God. I thought a lot about an example of how this is difficult to, to know him. And the first problem you run into is we seek to describe God through language. The scripture is written to us in language, and we use that language as a toolkit to understand more about God. And it does as best as language can, but language fails. This is why you need to have a relationship with God, because uh, language is at best a tool to aid our comprehension. Uh, let me give you an example. We, we call him king. We use that word. We say he is king of our hearts. We say he is king of creation. Uh, we say that we are a part of his kingdom. And when we use that word king, we all have an idea in our mind what a king is like. Where did that idea come from? Well, from our history. Uh, That idea came from the stories we have heard, uh, kind of coming of age and reading the great literature of our, our cultures. And you have an idea from your history class of what it was like to be a king. And so you say, he is king. But let me point out to you that there is no king of our history who ever died that he might give somebody life. And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. Yet we call him king. Do you see the problem? Um, We use a word for something to represent him. He is a king, but no experience in all of human history has there ever been a king like him. And so we find ourselves at the end of language. And the result of this is we, we seek to know him as we should. Uh, we seek to understand scripture as we, as we should. But it is very possible that we end up with a mistaken view of God that is in some way leading us astray. Now, the Bible talks about this. Uh, using the example of why we ask wrongly of God. Uh, Why do we ask prayer for prayer requests to be answered that are not in the will of God? Uh, If you have an idea, and you guys have heard me uh, say this before, um, if, if you have an idea of God as kind of like primarily a gift giver, and you think of him primarily as a type of divine Santa Claus, where all year long you are good, and then at the end of the year he checks his list twice, and then he gives you what you want, whether or not oh, on the basis of whether you've been naughty or nice. Do you see the problem? Um, you are not wrong that he is a gift giver. 
but you're wrong to think that is the essence of who he is and the core of what his mission is. Do you see? We struggling to know him. Remember, his ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We fall into wrong thinking. The, the apostle tried to explain this uh, in this way. He said, look, uh, a day's coming when we will be face to face with him. A day's coming when we will no longer be at a remove from uh, God, but we will know him. We will stand face to face. This is a Uh, image of Hebrew poetry that connotes intimacy of relationship to be face to face a day's coming when we will see him face to face but in the meantime how do we know him we know him through a glass darkly we see the moving of God but we don't understand the ways of God we know the promises of God but we don't understand the whys why did I have to go through that? You get mad and you demand an answer and God's not really impressed by your question and oftentimes he lets you walk it off. You know, growing up, you fall, hurt your knee and your, 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 your friend's like, walk it off. So you get up, you're like, my God, walk that off. Uh, our lives can be like that where we, uh, why did this happen? And there is no simple answer. We literally uh, walk it off. We live it out. And so, since that is the problem, since it can be difficult to really know, we have to ask ourselves, how can we have the mind of Christ? All right, stay with me. Stay with me. How do we, struggling to know God, how do we get the mind of Christ? Somebody say that with me. The mind of Christ. I need the mind of Christ if I'm going to see things with his eyes. I need the mind of Christ if I am going to be useful in the kingdom, do you see? I need the mind of Christ if I am going to be more than a conqueror, but be a leader, a strength for others, not just barely saved, but able to carry someone else's baggage. Can I have a big amen in the church house? All right, so uh, a wrong view of God will cause us to ask amiss. James 4, chapter number 3. You ask and do not receive. Why? Why? Because you ask amiss. Why are you asking amiss? Because you're asking for things that you can spend on your own pleasures. This is James. A wrong view of God will lead you to a wrong relationship with God. Uh, One other application that you might apply uh, would simply be this. If your religion makes other people less likely to try your truth, then you... (laughs) then you uh, probably are not really, you really are struggling to know the heart of God. This is the error of the religious crowd in Jesus' day. Uh, The problem is not that they don't know the law of God. They, They do in a pretty impressive manner. It's that they have failed to perceive the heart of God. That's the mistake right there. And so if our religion makes it less likely for the unchurched people in our life to ever come to church, we have missed something about the heart of God. He did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Can I have a big first church amen? And so uh, our wisdom, with me a moment more, our wisdom is insufficient to understand God. And the Bible very clearly makes distinction between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God. Why is that important? The reason it's important is it is impossible for us to figure God out. You do not gather all of your philosophical resources and come up with a divine algorithm whereby God is now in your pocket. That is not how we get to know uh, God. Human wisdom is insufficient. Somebody say insufficient. It's insufficient to understand God. The result of this is that the Bible repeatedly makes a distinction between the wisdom of humanity and the wisdom that is given by God. Very quickly, let me try to explain this. How do we gain wisdom? We gain wisdom through trial and error. We gain wisdom by trying, failing, falling, 
getting back up, taking the test again, going back to school, you get the idea. We, as it were, gather wisdom through experience and we apply our mind to things and we try to pattern match. We pattern match our lives. You look for patterns. If I come home uh, without something my wife asked me to get at the grocery store, my wife isn't happy, I notice this is a pattern that happens in my life. I start thinking to myself, if my wife wants something from the grocery store self, you probably should get it. Happy wife, happy life. Do you see how I have gained in wisdom? Yes, thank you very much. I want you to see, we pattern match and apply it to life. I want to make this clear because it is a real risk even in Christian circles. We have to be careful not to try to pattern match God. Why is that important? Because it leads to mysticism. It leads to Christian superstition. It leads to this way where we're going to treat God as though he is a a formula in the heavens. And if I say the right words, then I get a miracle. This is all in error. When God says something is true, it's true whether or not it seems true to my flesh. That's important. We do not pattern match God. We don't say, well, I prayed for them with my right hand three times and they didn't get healed. But if you notice, the first time I laid that left hand on them, they were healed. So he's a left hand God. Oh, yes, he is. No. We don't pattern match God. That is how we pursue wisdom by worldly methods. This leads to mistakes. There is a difference in man's wisdom or humanity's wisdom and God's wisdom. God's wisdom is always a gift. It is a gift of, watch this, word, and it is a gift of spirit. Let me say it again. God's wisdom is always divinely given. It is a gift of word and it is a gift of spirit. It comes from above. It does not speak things as they seem to be. It speaks things as they are from God's perspective. It does not speak things as they are from my perspective. I'm stuck down here in the trouble. Can I have an amen? It says, speaks things as they are from God's perspective. I am hurting. I am lonely. I am fragile. God is not hurting. God is not lonely. And God is not fragile. He has it all in control. He sits on top of it all. And so I want to, having established this, I want to be clear. First of all, we, if it, it can be difficult to pursue God, not if you're sincere about it and you focus upon it, it can be difficult to understand the workings of the Lord. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His whys are often silent. He does not defend himself. Um, he, as a result, can seem as though he is moving, yes, but as it were behind too much tinted glass. And we cannot quite see exactly what he is doing. That's not my opinion. That's not your opinion. Uh, That's biblically true. Now we desire to know him. We desire to be close to him. And so there's a temptation in our lives to try to figure him out. You can try to figure him out by what seems to be true, or you can submit yourself and receive what is true. I know you're looking at me. You give me that look like, really, you're making me think and I didn't have enough coffee. We're going to have to fix that. I want you to see the God's wisdom is not that which you figure out. I spent a good many years as a young preacher trying to figure out the power of God, trying to figure out the key to the miraculous. Uh, I listened to uh, some of the men uh, who had been used in the gifts of the Spirit, and I would listen over and over again. And uh, there was never this simplicity whereby I could run a program on God. Uh, It was never that way. We don't receive spiritual wisdom by figuring. We don't receive it by pattern matching that ends in superstition. And pretty soon you're reading your astrology tables and you're claiming to be a Christian. I know people like that. Uh, I want you to see God's 
nature, God's truth is divinely imparted, and we don't figure it out. We receive it through spiritual submission. All right. Are you with me? Okay. Six foundations. Six biblical foundations that you need to build your life on. Don't try to figure God out. Here are six biblical foundation stones that will help you when we get to what I'm going to say at the end. Number one, uh, first of all, God loves you. You need to believe this, otherwise you'll always be susceptible to the enemy showing up saying uh, it is futile for you to try. You need to believe that God loved you enough to move heaven and earth and reach for you. He didn't love perfect you. He loved you. God knew every dumb thing you were going to do before you were born. God knew every dumb thing you were going to do before he went to Calvary. And he went to Calvary anyway. That is not license to sin, but it is an introduction to a sea of mercy in which we can fall and be assumed by the love of God. God loves you. And it's more than a verb. It is also a noun. Not only does God love you, verb, God is love now. Uh, many of the attributes of God are described as verb or adjective, but this one is described as noun. God, we'll talk about whole this next. God is holy, yes, but you don't find anywhere the Bible says God is holiness. You see, it's a verb, but not a noun. But in love, it's not just a verb, not just an adjective. It is a noun. Very quickly, let me give you some scriptures. Ephesians 2, verse number 8. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not the result of your efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. Romans 5 and 1. Therefore, since we have been made right, someone say, I'm right. You know you wouldn't want to say that. By, since you have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. How about Hebrews 13? For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. This is the love of God shed abroad on our hearts. Uh, John will take this further than any other uh, writer uh, when he writes the very last anointed books of the New Testament. And he says, and I'm going to read from uh, 1 John 4. I'm going to read at verse number 7. I'm reading from the message translation. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. Now, God is love So you can't know him if you don't love. All right? He will go on, verse number 20, if anyone boasts, love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. God is love. Now, when you are seeking to know God, it doesn't help if you try to go about some reasoning of your mind if you can't stand upon the revealed word of God about the nature that is of his essence you will have missed your way and that is to repeat myself God loves you God is love the second thing you need to see is that God is holy he's not fallen he doesn't have urges within him to cheat he doesn't have urges within him to take to hurt to kill God has no competitive streak 
God doesn't need to push you down in order to lift himself up. He's not like us. What is hard for us is not hard for him because he is holy. Holy in the Bible refers to a divine, a spiritual other. It is to say he is unlike anything you have ever been exposed to. 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verse number 2. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our rock. How about Psalms 33 verse 21? In him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. Uh, Your name isn't very holy. I've already heard some things about you. But his name, yes, is holy. Thou shalt call his name Oh, come on now. Uh, Y'all's going to make me go back on vacation. Thou shalt call his name, for he shall save his people from their sins. How about Isaiah 57, 15? I am the high and holy God who lives forever. I live in a high and holy place, but I also live with people who are humble and repentant so that I can restore their confidence confidence and hope. What am I talking about? I have given you two truths about God. We did not pattern match our way to these truths. We didn't read enough philosophy. We didn't argue the scholastic philosophers against the, you know, (laughs) the new age philosophers. What we did is found revealed truth in the word of the Lord and Oh, oh, there we go again. Y'all's going to run me out of town. Uh, all right, so switching over. Here we, uh, we are not trying to argue our way to this. We are standing upon revealed Scripture in the Word of the Lord. However, these two things stand in a type of opposition. They define two opposite truths of his being. He is love, and love is the very mother of mercy, yes. But he is also holy, and holiness is the very father of judgment. None of us can bridge these two truths about God. None of us can build some type of a uh, bridge between these different abstract but profoundly true elements of God. We could not do it. As a result, we were banished from the presence of God and there was nothing we can do about it. But God in his mercy decided to do what we could not do. And through Jesus Christ, he has caused the love of God to be satisfied and reconciled to the holiness of God. As a result, we're in the church age. As a result, sinners like me get to come to the house of God. As a result, bigger sinners like you (laughs) get to come to the house of the Lord. I'm just having fun. I want you to see these are true, profound truths. Two profound truths. All right. That's what God has done. There was nothing we could do. That's all about God. Now, how do we take the next step? We know that he is love and he loves us. We know that he is holy and thus we are found wanting through Jesus Christ. This is the good news that there is now access to God. Uh, Because he is these things and we struggle to know and struggle to walk with him. We struggle to see through the dark glasses of our comprehension. There are some other truths that we must accept, not by figuring it out, but by spiritual submission. I'm going to say it to this side of the church. Here are some truths you have to accept, not by pattern matching, not by figuring it out. You have to accept and you have to humble yourself to these truths. Here's the first one. Uh, We have to trust his judgment because we don't know what right judgment is. This is a surrender of our life. We want to take judgment into our own hands. We want to get back to the person who's got over on us. We have to choose mercy and say judgment is dangerous in my hands because the same judgment that would hurt them hurts me. And when I deny them mercy, 
I deny me mercy because I am incapable of managing so dangerous a killer as judgment. All right, God is love and he is holy and through Jesus Christ, that problem of his love and holiness has been reconciled and we have access to God. How are we going to come to him and get it right? You're going to have to leave judgment in his hands. You cannot be a judgy person and be on the right side of Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. The same measure you meet, now we're going to use some King James language. The same measure shall be metered back to you. You have to have a surrender of judgment to Jesus. You did me wrong. I'm mad about it. I hope you get COVID. Just don't die. But that's a terrible thing because I'll get it right after you. So here's a better plan. I need to say, Lord, forgive them their trespasses and forgive me my trespasses. Christ has done so much for us that we have to leave judgment with him. That's hard for us. It's hard for us. We hide it good because we're churchy. We know how to dress and act and clap and blah, blah, blah. You hide it well, but it's tough for us to leave judgment with him. If you doubt that, listen to your friend's gossip. It's tough to leave judgment to leave judgment with God. Let me tell you something else that's tough to leave with God. But you're going to have to do this not by pattern matching, not by figuring out philosophical truths. You're going to have to do this by intentional surrender. Are you ready? You're going to have to trust his timing. Because he's not going to jump just because you say jump. He doesn't serve us. We serve him. He doesn't live in our city. We live in his. And so I want you to see that he has done so much for us by giving us access back to his presence. Sin had destroyed it. Judgment we deserved had banished it. But he has allowed access to his grace and his mercy. And even so, our heart wants to keep the best of our sinful rebellion. We keep judgment and we command him while at the same time having access to his grace and his mercy. And this goes against revealed truth of the scripture. You need to trust his judgment. You need to trust his timing. Let me tell you this right here. Uh, I I had a bunch of scriptures under judgment, but I'm not going to read them there in your notes. You can read them later. Let's start at timing. Uh, Psalms 27, verse number 14. Wait. Somebody say wait. Nobody gets excited saying wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. How about 2 Peter 3, verse number 9. The Lord isn't slow about keeping his promises as some people think he is. In fact, God is patient. I want to make sure you got that. God isn't slow. God is patient. And you need to be glad God is patient because if he wasn't patient, you wouldn't be around to find out out it seems like he's slow and so we must wait upon the Lord why is he patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost how about Isaiah 55 verse number 8 my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine we have to give timing to God. Uh, Number five, we have to respect that our strength comes from the Lord. We haven't strength in ourselves. Our strength comes from the Lord. Let me read Psalms 18, verse number two. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Uh, how about Romans 2, verse uh, number 4. This is from the message translation. You got to love it because, well, you'll hear. Uh, Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he had let you off the hook? Hmm. Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. 
in kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. We must respect that strength comes from from the Lord. So we are establishing foundations. We are going to build upon these. God loves us enough to move heaven and earth to save us. God is holy, so there is something that needs to happen to our sin problem. Our sins need to be dealt with. Once God has moved heaven and earth to allow us access to him, we can't show up as though we are going to figure him out. We must submit to the fact that he is is the judge. He gets judgment right. We can't show up impatient and demanding like an impudent child, an impudent child. We must trust his timing and we must respect that whatever strength we have is because God is generous and God is faithful and God is with us and can the church say amen. All right, one more truth and then we're going to move. All right. Well, we're not going anywhere, but we kind of are. All right, one more truth. Uh, The result of these things, these foundations that we are not figuring out, we're accepting them by bowing our head, by bowing our heart, and allowing them to be true in our heart and in our spirit. This leads to number six. As a result, we must seek his presence. I'm not enough for me. You aren't enough for you. I'm thankful for every good thing in my life. It's not enough. I need to seek God's presence. Psalm 16 and 11. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. How about Psalms 42 and 2? My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Or how about Romans? Romans 8 verse number 15 for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear but you received the spirit of sonship by him by who by Jesus we are able to cry Papa (laughs) we're able to cry Abba Father Abba in uh, the Greek is literally Papa this gift through Jesus Christ to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All right. Now, what I have desired to do today uh, is to have you accept that it can be difficult to know God. And in our flesh, we often seek to formulize God. We seek to pattern match God. We seek to philosophize God, and all of these things are wrong. What we must do instead is open his revealed word. Divine wisdom comes by word and by spirit, and we open that word, and we stop figuring, and we stop pattern matching, and we stop philosophizing, and we submit to truth. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right? If these foundations give us insight into God, and if we can admit, and I'm almost done, musicians, you can come. If we can admit that in our pursuit of God, we can end up with a wrong view of who God is. Some of the most attractive to the flesh, I should say, some of the most attractive uh, doctrines of Christianity are when through some method of selective scriptural choice, we end up with a God whose mission is to give us what we want in our flesh. This is some of the most attractive errors uh, in the Christian uh, doctrinal history, but this is the way of the flesh, and we do not reason our way to God. We submit to divine truth. So we, admitting it can be hard, Admitting that there's a tendency to figure God out our way, let's turn from that, okay? And let's stand upon the word of the Lord and what it says about God. Uh, Luke 24 and 45, then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. That's what I'm praying for all of us in this year, 2021, that we have been placed in by God. I am praying that the Lord would open our minds to understand 
understand scripture, not where we're superstitiously trying to figure out some mystical answer, but where we are surrendered. Somebody say surrendered. We are surrendered to the will, the work, the kingdom, the calling, and the mission of Almighty God. And can the church say amen? God has given us his spirit 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, verse number 12. God has given us his spirit. That's why we don't think the same way that the people of this world think. Why do we not think like them? Because God has given us his spirit. That's also why we can recognize the blessings that God has given us. All right. So by divine gift, we are given insight and understanding. We didn't figure it out. We surrendered and submitted to it. It comes through Holy Scripture, through Word, and through Spirit. How do we begin to put on the mind of Christ? How long have I been preaching? 30 minutes? I might be speaking by faith. About 30 minutes. How do we put on the mind of Christ? We just read where we don't think like the world thinks. Somebody say it with me. I don't think like the world thinks. If I think like the world thinks, God forgive me. Yes. If I allow the same thoughts to come through my mind that goes through their mind, God forgive me. Yes. How do I put on the mind of Christ? He's hard to know. How do I put on the mind of Christ? He is difficult to see moving. How do I put on the mind of Christ? His ways are not my ways. How do I put on the mind of Christ? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I'm about to tell you. And this is the apex of everything I've been trying to say. So if you miss this, I've wasted everybody's time. When I say what God says, I begin to think like God thinks. I, I expected people to run the aisles. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I, I thought, I thought Antonella would start, and I thought she would take off right down here, and then I thought Don would just swing in right behind her, and then we'd have a victory march, and 17 people get saved, and that's what I thought. But I want to say it again and just live with the reality that that didn't happen. When I think... <laughs> When I say what God says, I begin to think like God thinks. Let let me say it a little bit different. Are you ready for this? This principle is so true, it's all for the Word of God. In the beginning was the... You didn't go that time? What was it going to take to get you running these aisles, girl? having fun I'll pick on somebody else next week when I say what God says it's natural for me to think what God thinks in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God first comes a word and then comes action in the beginning All right, let let me show you Old Testament. God said, let there be light, and they flipped the lights on. Let there be light. The Lord said, let the waters be divided from the, the, the earth. Word, action. So, all right, when I say what God says, it's natural for me to begin to think like God thinks. And so I am going to end today with reminding you of the power of your personal confession. Now confession has two two parts to it. On one hand, there is a repentant part of it where to someone whom you trust, uh, to someone who is a spiritual help, uh, even a mentor to you, uh, you confess your tendency toward error one to another so other people can help us guard against our personality. 
Don't act like you don't have a personality. I mean, you may not, but you do have a tendency. That's a joke. Never mind. Moving along. Um, (laughs) You confess to a trusted person. I have a tendency to slap people when they slap me. So would you watch me? And when I pull back my hand, you just grab my hand. That, that explains me and Tina's relationships for years right there. Um, <laughs> I'm in a mood. I just miss you guys. And I love you. I've been gone. And I just want to give everybody a hug. So, all right. Let me finish up here. All right. So, <laughs> that's one side of confession. Okay? That's one side of confession. Let me tell you another side of confession. Remember Romans 10. Paul, uh, a lot of times people avoid this because they're afraid you're going to make some error. He talks about confessing with your mouth that Christ is Lord. And uh, so I've seen so many people just try to, you know, I'm afraid that's the the only thing they'll think they need. And so I'm going to pretend like it's not in the Bible. There was no accident made when that was put in the Bible. Paul didn't miss God when he wrote Romans chapter number 10. There is teaching and profound lesson here. When you confess with your mouth and you say, Jesus Christ is my Savior. Jesus has saved me. Without Jesus, I would be a mess. And I, this is the power of confession in our lives. And that's why it is so important biblically. Hear this. Confession word is the first step of transformation. There's chaos and the word of God speaks. The first step of transformation is what? The word. It is confession. I want to put in my mouth the things that God says are true. Because if I speak what he speaks, it will be easy for me to put on the mind of Christ and think what he thinks. Therefore, I'm going to give you some confessions you can say right out of the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 allows you to make this confession. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, my mess, my error. Jesus paid my debt, and he was not defeated by my sins, but on the third day, he came out of that grave. What have you done? You have put in your mouth the things that Christ has said, and now you have a chance to put on the mind of Christ. Let me give you another thing you can say as confession. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not the same person I've always been. I am new in Christ Jesus. The old me is gone, and new spiritual life has begun in the soil of my heart. What am I doing? I'm putting God's word in my mouth so I can put on the mind of Christ. Let me give you another one. This is John 8 verse number uh, 36. The son has set me free. Therefore, I am free indeed. How about Romans 8 and 1? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So shut up, devil. You're the accuser of the brethren. And there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Stand with me. How about this one? Romans, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 13. God is faithful. He will not allow me to be tempted beyond that which I am able to bear. But he always makes a way of escape. That when I think there's no hope, God steps in just in the nick of time. And when I think there's no answer, God shows up with all that I need. That is my confession. I'm going to put in my mouth the words of God that I might put on the mind of Christ. Oh, I'm having fun. Let me give you a few more. Romans 8 and 38. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I know the devil thought he had got you, but nothing can separate me from the love of God. I know I hurt when you said it. I know you wept when it happened, but nothing can separate me from the love of God. I got another one for you here. Ephesians 3, verse number 20. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think. 
Oh, I got another one for you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've got another one for you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I've got just one more. If God is for me, who can stand against me? so you can have upon your mind the mind of Christ. We're going to turn this whole house into a a time of drawing near to God. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. If you'd like to step out and come down to the front, our pastoral team will be active down here. I want you to know that it's not the will of God for you to live by figuring it out by the methods of the flesh. It's the will of God. You stand upon the revealed word and you finally get some victory over the stuff that has been beating you up for far too long. It's time for you to stand upon the words of God so you can put on the mind of Christ. Do you see? Our praise team is going to lead us to a higher place of praise and worship. Our friends and guests, if anybody needs to be dismissed, you can go at any time. We love you. God bless you. In a little while, we'll have first steps across the way. Let's turn this whole house into a worship service for a little while. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.